0: Welcome everybody, I'm Sam Sebastian and you're listening to How Are You Doing Really? In today's episode, I speak with my friend Robert Nizza. Robert used to live here in the San Francisco Bay Area and recently moved to Sicily at the beginning of 2020. Shortly after moving there, the coronavirus hit Italy and Robert went into quarantine with his girlfriend. Robert shares about his experience of adapting to a new culture, a new way of being during the coronavirus pandemic, and also just some of his personal triumphs and struggles throughout this whole process. So please stay tuned and give it all a listen. Welcome back everyone. I am here today with my friend, Robert Nietzsche. And Robert is a friend of mine that I met at Esalen and he was living in Oakland or Berkeley, California, um, up until the end of 2019 and recently moved to Italy, uh, to be with his partner and family and start a a new, uh, chapter of his life out there. Um, and I, I really wanted to have Robert on here um, since I had started the podcast. Uh, There's just this part inside of me that was just like, I really, really feel like uh, it'd be sweet to connect with him. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that, that you're, you're here with me today. Um, I know it's, what, 5, almost 6 p.m. there right now. Is, is that right? It's about 5 to 7 Oh, five to seven. <laughs> yeah, I think we're nine
1: hours ahead.
0: Yeah. Uh, um do you mind just uh sharing a little bit about where you are in Italy and um maybe a little bit about your your partner and how you're yeah, doing today? Yeah, yeah. Um I am in Palermo,
1: Sicily. Okay, so That's the capital of of Sicily. So way down south on the island of Sicily. And um, I've been here since early January when I moved here. And um, I moved to be with my girlfriend, a woman named Stefania. She's a Sicilian woman who I met last summer. And I had sort of I had enough of California for a while. I I had been living there for like 20 years and I did a bunch of writing and I wasn't getting published. I started feeling stagnant and I had a great time in Sicily last summer and I thought, you know, it's time for a big change. I'm gonna just pack my bags, sell everything off, sell my house, cut the lease on my uh, Rent control department in Berkeley, so that was risky. And buy a ticket to uh, Palermo, and that's it. Start a new life up there. So I met Stefania uh, on the beach in a little town called Chaca, which is on the Mediterranean coast of Sicily, and it's a beautiful town it's where my uh, my biological father was born, so I have lots of cousins there and um, I fell in love with her last summer and and uh, you know I'm, I'm 55 and I haven't had love in a long time, so it was very very sweet to find someone that I connected with so After I got back in the summer, I, September, October, November, December, every day for an hour or two, I started to shed all of my material belongings. It was a very deep process because I had been living in that particular apartment for over 15 years. And it was a small apartment. You had seen it. So it was only about 400 square feet or so. But I had things tucked in every nook and cranny, you know? So, and I sweetly remember you being involved in that because my very special possessions, the part of one of the Esalen trees that I love. uh, And I gave you something else, but I don't even (laughs) (laughs) But anyway. It was a beautiful time to shed material objects because when I got to the airport to go to Palermo, I had a total of three cases to my name. I had a a large, not that large, but a a little bit bigger than a carry-on bag, and I had a regular standard carry-on bag, and I had a knapsack. I had gotten everything down to 100 kilograms total, which is what the maximum I would be able to take on the plane. So 2.2 pounds is a kilogram. So I think that's, I don't know, 40 or 50 pounds. I got everything down to 40 or 50 pounds. Sold my massage table.
0: Sold. My car actually I gave my car away. It's crazy to think that you went from uh an apartment that you had lived in for fifteen years and I'm sure accumulated a lot of things and downsized to three bags and were in the airport carrying your belongings with you to this new uh, destination <laughs> this new part of your life that you're going to be starting and mm. wow what a time to be going over there um yeah how how was it when you arrived uh did had that feel well
1: uh, we met I, I met stefania in barcelona on december 28th Because we hadn't seen each other in three or four months, and it was a big step to just see each other after all that time. And uh, we took a little vacation in Barcelona. I I had never seen the uh, the Gaudi architecture, and I've never seen the city. So we took, and I had a buddy that lived in Valencia with his family. He also transferred from peninsula, San Francisco Bay Peninsula, with his family to Valencia. And he was living there. So I thought I'm gonna see Stefania in Barcelona. Then I'm gonna go down to Valencia without Stefania and see my friend. And then after that I'm going to Palermo for for good, as far as I knew. And you know, the first month or so first month or two, six, seven weeks, I was just getting to know the city. I really like her mom and her dad, and they live right across the street from from Stefania. I spent the first week or two looking for my own apartment in this beautiful beach town called Mondelo. And uh, I wasn't finding anything. Mondelo isn't like Big Sur, okay? Mondello is very beautiful. The water is crystal clear, and it's lovely. But um, Mandela is the backyard to Palermo, which is the biggest city in Sicily. And it's basically where city people go in about 20 minutes to take a swim. So it's very processed. It's not that wild, big surf, big crashing waves. There's hardly any waves in the Mediterranean compared. Anyway, I was getting to know the city getting to know Stefania, and eventually just she just invited me to, to, to move into her place and she had room. It was a big step for me, but I did. Um, and then a few weeks after I got there, the coronavirus hit. Yeah. So I, I just pretty much gotten there. I just gotten used to crossing the street there because simple things like crossing the street here is a lot different. Uh, the cars just keep going. If you're in the street, you have to really assert yourself to cross the street. It's a little nerve-wracking for an American because it's not that the cars don't respect you, it's just the style. You have to get in the street with force. It took me a long time
0: to (laughs) cross the street. Like like playing Frogger and like run, stop, run, stop, dodge,, <laughs> yeah. or they stop when they see you go, or
1: <laughs> they they stop for you, but if you hesitate, they won't stop, okay wow. so it's it's a big difference, yeah, I remember when I was in Oregon, when I crossed the street in in uh in in uh, Eastern Oregon, I, I started crossing the street and, and the car would stop a half a block away. Mm-hmm. Just completely respectful of, of the pedestrian gear. That concept is, is out the window. It's like, okay, you want to cross the street, decide and go or else stay on the sidewalk because we're not going to let you cross the street. So I had like a hundred little things like that. Uh, start to adapt to. Sicily is between Europe and Africa. You know it's been conquered by every major European and Middle Eastern power so there's, there's a huge amount of they think differently and as an American I, I have to adapt. So I started to adapt and I was enjoying the food very much and suddenly the virus hit and uh, it was amazing because I I was getting a newspaper every day, and to see these red circles that were indicating the number of cases just covering this, you know, as you probably know, Italy was very hard, hard hit. Yeah. And I'm blessed in a way, because Sicily, in the very beginning, we were a little bit afraid because there was a couple of places around here that looked like they might be a big problem. But... Uh soon afterwards, the government employed these measures of you know, staying inside, keeping the distance, closing everything. Uh, and so Sicily didn't get bad. I think even today, uh, there's only 2,500 cases on an island of about 5 or 6 million people. So it's a very small percentage. But if you look up in Lombardia or Emilia Romana that there's lots. Hundred a hundred thousand cases in all of Italy, but only about two thousand here. None,
0: none of your um family were in those areas there on the island where you're at?
1: Yeah, my my family is, is, is in a little town called Shaco, which is um uh, Palermo was sort of on the north coast of Sicily. If you drive about an hour and a half south to the Mediterranean, you're on this this little town of about forty thousand people called Shaka. and so yeah uh, um, the Italians seem to follow all the rules they even though sicily the, the the people are very outgoing and like to form in big crowds talking and touching and you know the men and women—they kiss on the cheek, on both cheeks, and they're hugging. You know, it's a very tight-knit kind of Mediterranean place. They didn't want to die. <laughs> so,
0: yes. So, so, so how is it? How is it now? Are are the 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 hugs, the kisses on the cheeks happening, or is this all oh, no. just stopped oh, now? No, no.
1: No. Italy still has, um, you know. Long ago, weeks ago, the, the uh, growth and the increase of uh, cases started going down. Mm-hmm. It peaked probably I don't know, April or something like that. But there's still 100,000 people that have the virus, you know. Mm-hmm. Many are getting ill, Many have died, I think. I don't know the numbers exactly, Sam, but I think like about thirty thousand people have died. Hundred thousand, hundred and ten thousand have it, and I think thirty or forty thousand have been healed, you know. So I don't want to go there's still a lot of people that have it, not much in Sicily, but you never know, right? So um I wear a mask and um and I go out, you know, I guess I, guess I do everything that you guys do. In, in California, when I go shopping, I I take alcohol and wash off my packages of food. You know, I wash my hands. and
0: Taking all the precautions that you need to to protect yourself.
1: Yeah. And today's a big day in Italy, though, because they, they just rolled out something called phase two, which is... They're basically these little, tiny steps to opening the country up. Uh, and they watch the numbers every day and they see if we open it up a little bit and uh, the number of contagious people goes up, then we have to, you know. So they're keeping a very, I got the sense that in the States they didn't have strict measures. Like, for example, when I go out, I have to have a a document that I sign that says I don't have COVID-19, I'm, I have to check a box. So I'm going out to go food shopping. Of course, all this is in Italian, which I'm still learning, I'm a beginner in Italian. So I have to learn all this stuff, you know? So you have to download the document and to check the box. So I'm, I'm either going to buy groceries, I'm going to the pharmacy, I'm going to the newsstands. Or I have an emergency. And those are the only reasons up until a week ago that you should be out of your house. You couldn't go out for a walk. You couldn't do anything. And if a policeman, they call the carabinieri here, or the polizia, if they stopped you, and you didn't have the documents, and you didn't have a good reason to be out, then you'd get a fine, two, three hundred dollar euro fine right so i didn't hear stuff like that in the stage so it, it's a lot stricter here but maybe it's a lot stricter because they got hit so hard in the beginning mm-hmm. and and they had to adapt as, quickly as possible
0: yeah and and speaking of adapting it, it seems like you've since the moment you got there it's just what you've had to do i mean you're you've moved into a new country different culture a different way of being And on top of that getting news of the coronavirus and having to stay at home and right after moving in with your your girlfriend and I'm just I'm really curious about what um Esther Perel put it uh, opportunities in the midst of constraints and and I'm just curious what um what some of those might have been for you as as you've been navigating this this time with your your girlfriend in, in a home or apartment these past couple of months and not really being able to go out much
1: yeah um, you know uh, I feel very fortunate because Stefania invited me to live with her um, of course, before the coronavirus um, and it's interesting. Uh, I had never lived with anybody before in my life, and neither had she. And we both decided, okay, you know, we're both in our 50s. We never had done it before. Let's see what it's like. Let's live with each other. Let's, Let's try it out, you know? So it was a very big step for me. Long ago, when I was in grad school, I found somebody's wallet on the campus. And this guy happened to work in the psychology department. He was a professor. And uh, so somehow I found him and I gave him his wallet back. And he's very thankful. I said, well, what kind of research do you do? He said, I do research on on marriage. I said, okay, what have you found out? What's your last paper about whatever? He's like, well, I found out that when people live together, there's a higher incidence of divorce, after they finally do get married, okay, uh, I forgot what the exact numbers was, but when you 've been living with someone you, when you get married it 's like a continuation you don 't take it as seriously. I forgot all of the reasoning, but it stuck in my mind all of those years it 's like You know, if you're gonna, if you really love love someone and take them seriously, want to be with them, you want to be married to them, or whatever situation you want to be in, maybe it's better not to love each other and and really make a commitment to each other to be together. So that was always in mind. So I, I broke that rule finally after being 55 years old. I'm like, okay. His name was Howard Markman. <laughs> I'll never forget his name, Howard Markman. So I'm like, okay, Howard, I've I've told the line for you know thirty years. I'm I'm gonna give this a shot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can
0: imagine, um, those words were ingrained in your <laughs> mind, like <laughs> yeah. Uh, Don't live with anybody.
1: It, it takes away from the real commitment. <laughs> but so now, check it out. So now I I I, I, I break that little rule, that intention I had for myself all those years. And a few weeks later, we are together in the house, not twenty-four-seven, but uh, a lot. So in this house, it's you know, uh, and so uh, now Stefania's mom and dad live right across the street. So and and her her dad has uh, cancer and Parkinson's. He just turned 80 years old, so he needs support, and his mom is around that age, and she needs a lot. So, so Stefania goes there quite a bit, but overall, we're in the house together. So. Uh, It's like an incubator for relationships. I think we've really gotten to know each other warp speed. I think it's been about eight or nine weeks, wait, mid-March. So, yeah, that we're basically living in very close quarters, not really leaving the house much at all except for shopping when she goes to visit her and i'm and i'm blessed maybe i'm more mature now but um i love getting to know her uh, better and better each day it's it's a beautiful thing it's respectful we she speaks better uh, english than i speak italian so when we have a disagreement it, it usually reverts to english so we can really communicate but Otherwise, uh, learning Italian, and uh, you know, I'm falling. I'm not falling, but I'm in, in deepening the love between us. It's just uh, probably much faster than normal.
0: Yeah. Um. And and uh, the it sounds like there's a lot of amazing things that are are coming from this process, like deepening the love and um learning. How to communicate not only uh, with words, but I'm, I'm sure with with your your body language. And uh, I'm I'm curious what some of the challenges have have been for the two of you, or you can speak about your challenges specifically.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I'm pretty active. Like I, I like to work out, and I, when I was in California. I was going to the gym probably four or five days a week. You know, I'm I'm a massage therapist. I like doing massages. And I think for me, one of the biggest challenges now has been, I think, eight or nine weeks, you know, where I need a document to go outside, right, is I can feel my body atrophy. You know, I've been trying to work out, but I can't really find the discipline for whatever reason. I, I have these workouts every now and then, but nothing of the intensity that I had in California when I go to the gym and really push it and sweat and yeah. build muscle and run and do all those things, you know? So I find that, that, that concept of stir crazy or like whatever that means, sometimes, I'll just be sitting at home, and, and I'll feel my, my energy, not have a place to do it, not have a place to put it, not feel like I'm producing, feeling a little stagnant, or very stagnant, and not really depression, but just like fidgety, antsy energy. That's And um, and when I get like that, uh, my, my, my patience, my self-communication is a little hard Mm -hmm. so then sometimes i'll feel like with stefani sometimes i'll feel my body just contract if maybe she does something that might be annoying for whatever reason Uh, so it's like this not having a release of energy i'm finding is so important because if i can't let my body exercise and if I can't find a way to get disciplined and exercise in the house, then it comes back to, to hurt not only me, but sometimes it puts me into a bad mood. And then, of course, Stefani is here. She gets to feel that. Mm-hmm. And and that's not fair to her, you know, because she doesn't have that problem. you has that problem.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and it's interesting know? that you. You, you call it a problem. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a shared experience for a lot of people who are staying inside right now and, and don't have that same access to going to the gym or working out in the way that they love to and, and really find that drive and, and that level of intensity that really allows us to get out that pent-up energy or steam that maybe builds up inside of us It gives us an outlet for those, um, emotions that, that kind of tend to fester if we, we don't have that movement practice to help move some of that energy. And, and I know for, for me and, and for Finn, same thing. It's, it's like we're, we're inside almost 24 seven with each other in a one bedroom apartment and we, do our best to kind of give each other space he works in the the kitchen a lot of the day and then i have the rest of the apartment and you know i I go out on walks and but it it's like the weather's slowly starting to warm up now and like on warmer days we'll go out and run or or we have weighted vests and at least have that to to kind of like yeah. build up that level of intensity to, to move some of that energy. But I, I do think there is something about us then the way that like, if we're sitting a lot and, and the way we're holding our bodies and it, there's a lot of stagnation that can, can start to happen. And, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear that it sounds like you're able to go outside more now, or do do you have the ability to go on runs yeah. in this? yeah
1: yeah only only a week ago they lifted this um, this measure that prevented you from going outside to exercise so a week ago we were able to start going out and you could take a run in your neighborhood you couldn't go too far but you could run in your neighborhood so i haven't done it yet i I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to go i've taken walks, but um being stagnant for almost two months or so, I had zero momentum now. So going out for a run was like, ugh, uh, okay, maybe I'll go for a run, but I, I lost so much momentum that it's a, it's a fascinating process to to have this body, right? And this body, I, I pushed hard when before I moved from from California. You know, like I said, training. 4 or 5 times a week running doing massage doing all kinds of mm-hmm. activities and now just seeing the body come come to a different place you know of less activity it's it's fascinating
0: how how would you describe your experience around like finding out about the effects of the coronavirus and, and being sheltered in place and not going out. Was it, was it like, okay, I got to figure out a plan. Like, how do I keep a routine? How do I keep things structured? Or would you say you're a little more on like, okay, maybe this is just time for me to like not be so attached to these routines and, and ways of being that I, I've been so used to yeah. Um, either of those speak to your experience, or how would you describe it?
1: Yeah. Um, well, it was so interesting in the beginning, since I I've been you know uh, there's this language barrier because when I hear about the coronavirus when I was learning about it on Italian TV, where I am, there's pretty much zero TV stations in English. Everything's in Italian. In fact, you don't even hear English because 90, it's an interesting country, 99% of all the transmissions, you know, through radio, TV, whatever, if it is in English originally, it's dubbed over in Italian. So you never even hear English. Every Hollywood movie, the news shows, everything is dubbed in Italian. There's no subtitles. So when I, so when I was hearing the news programs with the growth of the coronavirus and what it means, you know, I'm sitting in front of the TV like what? You know, my my is very basic. You know, I'm, I'm at the beginner's level. Maybe I touch on intermediate level, but it, it's at most intermediate, lower intermediate. And the TV is so fast. I can't get any traction, you know? So I would buy newspapers, i have to translate. I have a subscription to the New York Times. So learning about the coronavirus while wanting to learn Italian, I thought, okay, well, I'll have to learn it, but it's a hard language, you know? It's like Spanish for every verb. You can express one verb in 160 different words, you know? Each verb has 160 different forms, you know, whether it's, you know, the present tense, the present conditional tense, the past tense, the imperfect tense, each tense has a bunch of verbs you have to know, given, you know, is it a male, female, is it five people, is it, whatever it is. So, and then they talk very fast, so, um, I was, it was like a complete fascination to see myself just completely struggling to even understand what was happening locally because to read one article in the paper, there would be 50 or 100 vocabulary words. To to really understand, yeah, I could get the gist of it, but to really understand it, it, it would take two hours to sort of get through two or three articles in a basic way. You know, so we're talking a lot of time. So in the beginning, the and I started to exercise together. She had a yoga mat, one yoga mat. And uh, for me, we put together a couple of towels and another piece of cloth as, as my yoga mat. And um, we would, see um, last summer we started exercising together after we take a swim at this beach town where we met and so we we were used to working out together but after a while she she stopped doing it and then i stopped doing it just because i like doing it with her when she stopped it i sort of stopped and the voice in my head was always rob come on you you can't let your body uh, you know atrophy so much (laughs) I'm in mean, Italy and, you know, okay, we couldn't go to the restaurants, of, of course, because everything was closed. But, you know, they have a, a pride in eating here and in preparing good foods and all that and, and they eat well. And I found myself overeating a little bit, you know, and I'm very sensitive to, to that because the last two or three years in California, I, I was I was counting calories at every meal, pretty much. So um, I had a good sense of what I was eating to stay. Because at my age, I, I really have to be careful. A few meals when I overeat, my stomachs I start bloating. You know. Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting process of um, not finding the discipline. Everything is so new here that I don't know what the excuse is, but I didn't find the discipline that I had in California. You know, I didn't work hard at it. And, you know, I'm probably a few pounds fat, and my muscles have, have atrophied, and I'm, and I'm living with it. I have pains and aches now because of the lack of movement. So um, it's, it's fascinating, you know, that um, my level of discipline sort of uh, – dwindled quite a bit, you know?
0: And, and during this time, I mean, it's, I think because you're going through an experience for the first time in your life, like it sounds like you're not judging yourself for this, but you're able to recognize it. And I think that's the first step into shifting into a new, um, way of being or 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 shifting into um a way that, that you you'd like to to see yourself um but it I, I think there's another piece that's kind of universal. Um we, we're all grieving something, whether it's the loss of something personally, um something that has yet to come um or or just feeling the loss for for others and and I I think there's a question that sometimes we ask each other it's like well given the name of the podcast like how are you doing you know like people often their response is oh I'm good I'm I'm doing okay or I'm doing great and not that that isn't true uh underneath that and then that's why i put the how are you doing really at the end of it is is because you know like there's there's so much going on within know. us we're complex beings and like i mentioned we are going through this experience for the first time and um more than anything i think it's important that we we support each other and um it, and i i i love hearing like just how much joy you have working out with stefania like i I get that same joy when i get to work out with finn and um when when i don't want to work out or he doesn't necessarily want to do something that i want to do there's kind of like a a lowering in that energy or drive towards that and um we 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 talk about how if one of us is kind of not fully available, we're not at a hundred percent, um, how can we kind of lighten the load or, or take on a little more for the others so that we can kind of support each other through this. And, um, I, uh, I'm wondering, do you, do you feel like there's something that, uh, needs to happen on a, like a universal level, um, like the human race, uh, a big shift or like, what would you, what would you say in regards to what's happened around the coronavirus, how it's affected us and like moving forward?
1: That's a big question. And um, in fact, Sam, just the other day, I I asked the and his nephew, Um, I said, do you think there's too many people in the world? And he he just turned 17 and he he said, yes. So, you know, where, where you live, where I used to live in Northern California, people are pretty into, you know, recycling and nature, conserving nature and all that stuff and it's a luxury that we were able we can afford to do but when you're in in places that are prone to poverty and things like that survival is, is number one and you know the right plastic bag and recycling that bottle is a distant thing you know so I remember when I was in Bali uh, working with Ellen Watson with the massage, we, we went to a little island very close to where we had the massage class. And Ellen was taking 10 or 20 huge garbage bags. And this part of Bali was very remote. It, it wasn't in the southern part where there's all the, all the people. This was in the country, way out in the country. And I learned right away when we, I couldn't get off the boat without my foot touching a piece of plastic or a plastic bottle. The Water was pristine, but the surface of the water was covered in garbage. They, they have these water currents that are taking literally billions of bottles of you know, water bottles and garbage, diapers, light bulbs whatever you want to think of and it takes it down this through the waters down to this remote part of bali and and so i remember when i when i couldn't put my foot into water i had to touch a piece of plastic i I, I could feel tears you know i didn't want to cry at that point because i was with other people but i'm like what happened to our planet you know and When I went to Mexico once, too, uh, at one corner of the Caribbean there, all this plastic just washes up. You know, so, and this is a beautiful part where there's not that many people and there's just tons of plastic washing up. And, you know, we're overfishing the sea. The the you know the swordfish have too much mercury to eat and blah blah blah. So I'm just wondering, you know, what's happening to the planet on a universal scale. So I'm not surprised that I don't know how this virus started. They you know they said that um, bats in China were taken to some market and. Who knows how it started, but I think this virus, this pandemic is, is an indication of a disrespect for the planet and natural processes of, of the planet. I, I think human beings aren't respecting the flows of nature. And, and I think this virus is probably a result of that.
0: Yeah, I think that there's definitely been a way in which we've been living that's been out of balance or out of harmony with nature for a while, and, and it, it it finally hit this like tipping point. And mm-hmm. one thing that I've noticed more lately, and and maybe it's just been there all along, but I I feel so much more tuned into it now It's just like hearing all the birds <laughs> in the morning. Um, when I wake up and, and just less noise of traffic and mm. it's something I'm really grateful for. And I agree. I, I think that there, there is something that, that nature or something on a, a larger scale than just us humans is, is communicating with us. Um, mm. And I, uh, another thing that I, that comes to mind as, as we talk about this is, um, moving forward, like how do I want to continue to show up and, and live in this world? And one of the things that is happening recently, uh, for me is I'm moving from San Francisco to Nevada city. And we, uh, we move out this Saturday and into a house. And I'm so, so excited to be um, outside of the city. I, I, I mean, I love it here. I've been here for over 13 years and have received so much from it and, and have a community of friends and clients oh, yeah. and fellow teachers that I I will continue to nurture my relationships with. And I also think about down the road, wanting to create a retreat center and a permaculture farm and having a place for people who live in the city to come up and and stay and be more in nature. Um, So that's, that's one of the things that comes to mind for me and Another thing that's just kind of been lingering in my mind is like, well, if we only had one year left to live, like, how would we, how would I want to spend that? And, and, and I also think about like, do I wait to say things to people that I love and that I care about, or do I say it? And, and that's something I've been practicing more of is just when, when certain people in my life come to mind. I want to reach out to them and let them know, Hey, I'm thinking about you or I'll give them a call. And, um, have any of these things kind of been in, in your thoughts or ways of of practice? Uh, let's see.
1: What comes to mind when you talk like that is, um, when I go to Stefani's mother's apartment and see Stefani's father and I, and I said previously, he has Parkinson's and he has cancer and he just turned 80. He he can't really, when he speaks, I, it's very hard for me to communicate with him because I, I don't have enough Italian and Sicilians also speak Sicilian when they're at home. So there's Italian and then there's some words in Sicilian sometimes. And he's sometimes, he's an old guy, he's sometimes. And um, when he has lunch sometimes, he starts to sweat a lot. And he gets dizzy. And he's fallen a couple of times. Uh, I've seen him fall a couple of times since I've been here. And um, And I want to talk to him more, but I can't, you know? It's like... But I, but I see a man towards the end of his life struggling, calling out for people. Uh, one time he had a very bad episode where we, we had a big lunch. And usually on Sundays, it's a, it's a Sicilian, maybe it's an Italian tradition. On, on Sundays or on holidays, you go to the um, the the, uh, the pastry shop. And you get a, a nice bunch of pastries, and you celebrate and you eat them, because here it's an art It's it's amazing here and he had a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and maybe a little bit of wine, and suddenly he's sweating a lot, and he became very dis disorientated, and um, when he gets like that he he's not strong at all but he he gets out of his chair and he starts to walk, but he has Parkinson's so his feet can't really his feet shuffle, and he looked yellow, and I thought he wasn't breathing, so it was a, a very stressful day but because of this man, I don't know if this answers your question or your thought, but it um, I'm really feeling very strongly the the frailty of human life through this man and and i'm and I love this concept of well, what if you only had a a year to live? what if this vi- what if this virus was ten times more potent than it was okay we you know we probably wouldn't be able to talk right now you know so he's he's teaching me how to really look at he's in the big picture you know uh, and So when I'm with Stefania, so one way that it manifests for me is that when I'm with Stefania and maybe it's been a hard day, maybe she was a little depressed over something or I was a little depressed about my body falling apart or whatever (laughs) it is, I can just look in her eyes and I can see her spirit. And uh, I remember her father and, okay, this is what we have now. Let's make the best of it. We can't get out of the house. We have each other, what do you want to do? We do want to talk about and there's a there's a heightened vitality in some moments i I think because of her father, you know so I mean you're talking about a big universal global thing, and i I think i I flipped it upside down, and I took one guy that's close to death and I'm making it universal. You know, how do I live better because our time is limited?
0: Yeah. And I I love that perspective as well. And I think it's, it's just how, how if if we want to see things shift on a a larger scale, it's like we start with ourselves Mm -hmm. and, and I, I just appreciate you, you sharing what you just shared because I hope other people who hear this um, are able to kind of see see life through your lens and and that um, experience and um, yeah, it's it's interesting how we've all been put in touch with um, the the reality of of mortality. You know, like right. we are. That's the one one thing that's for certain when we come into this world is we are going to eventually pass away.
1: I think one of the reasons why I wanted to fly when I was on that little boat in Bali and I saw all the... is because I felt so powerless. I could do... Okay, I could fill up a garbage bag with plastic. You know, the locals weren't doing it, but these white people from California taking a massage class were filling up garbage bags. And cleaning up for the Balinese. So, but I felt utterly powerless, utterly powerless. I couldn't do a damn thing about a billion pieces of waste, plastic waste coming down the way. And so, I remember the story somebody said, it was a father and he was really busy and his son, bothering him. Dad, do this. Dad, do this with me. Do He's like, I'm busy. Will you leave me alone? The dad was reading the paper. So the dad um, took a piece of the paper, the newspaper, and he ripped it up into a bunch of uh, pieces. And he gave it to his son. He said, here's some scotch tape. Tape it back together. Keep yourself busy. (laughs) (laughs) And and on the page, the father looked up. It it, it was a globe. it, it was the world, right? Picture of the of the world from outer space. So, in a remarkably short time, the kid comes back with the clue together perfectly, right? I was like, what, How'd you do that so fast? You know, it's a big map of the world." Blah blah blah. He goes, "Oh, Dad, on the other side was a man." And when I taped the man back together, the world just fell right into place. So what you're saying is that, what can I do? I can't fix a billion bottles of of plastic in Bali, you know, but what can I do? Can I, you know, can I use less? Can I get my life down to three suitcases and, and not have, yeah, mm-hmm. that that was extreme. I think most people might be challenged to do that, but I was able to do that. But here in Italy, it's it's actually quite motivating because their recycling is a little bit complex. It took, it took me a long time to figure out. You know, six days of the week, you have your glass, you have your they call it. Or, or, or organic, which is like your compost, like your food waste, you have glass and metal, and uh, and one is called an indiferenciata, which is stuff you don't know what to do with. It's like a like a dirty piece of paper with soil food or something. It doesn't go into it. so it's indifferent. You know, it's indifferent <laughs> be, I d I don't know how they think of it. <laughs> but so You know, when it all comes down to it, for for me, it comes down to kindness and kindness to my fellow man, kindness to the planet. And if no one else does it, I can still look at myself in the mirror and say, Ah, I'm doing the best I can do. And if, you know, if the world's going to go away because the planet just can't sustain all these people, it goes away. But I'm trying, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the best I can do, I think. Okay, me I can organize a group of people to do more but you know yeah
0: and and also ex- extending that kindness to to ourselves
1: oh yeah. yeah yeah that's one of the hardest things to do mm-hmm. especially when you're locked up feeling sort of um, sometimes I feel quite useless just staying in the apartment and I get a little down on myself I'm like ooh Where's the kindness? It's much easier to be kind to Stefani's father than it is to myself. So it takes a big reframing effort to come back to my own heart and to take care of myself. If I don't take care of myself, and Stefani's father, if I see him starting to fall, I won't be able to help him. Mm -hmm. He's falling and he's cracking his head on the marble and I can't do anything about it cuz my body isn't responsive enough anymore. So yeah, totally good point.
0: I um I just want to say how how much I appreciate you sharing what what your experience has been like. Um it's it's been really touching and at times just brought some tears to my eyes and um, if anything, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm sending a lot of love and, and good energy your way and to Stefania and her, her parents. Do um, you want to meet her? <laughs> I would love to, yeah. You
1: want to wait a second, I'll see if she can come talk and say hi, okay? Okay. Sam, let me introduce you to Stefania. Hi, yeah.
0: hi Stefania. <laughs> <laughs> you doing? I'm doing great now that I've just had the past hour to talk with Robert and, and catch up. I've heard a lot about you, and it's, oh, just, it's nice you. to see you.
1: Well, thank you. It's nice to see you for me, also. Yeah, Sam is in San Francisco right now. It's uh, early morning for them, mid morning for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he's in San Francisco.
0: You know, it's beautiful outside right now. It's sunny. It's not windy. Um, I actually haven't been outside yet. Uh, hopefully, I have one more meeting after this with my therapist. I'll get some time to go outside. But we're still able to go out and, and be in nature and go around the city. So I've, I've felt very grateful for that and fortunately the numbers of people who have been affected has been fairly low so we're just staying pretty cautious and wearing masks and yeah yeah (laughs) 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 definitely oh well thank you for sharing some time allowing him to come and be with me today and uh it's it's been sweet to to see you, and hopefully someday, whether you come over here or I'm I'm in uh, Sicily, I'd love to meet you in person.
1: I hope so.
0: You have an open invitation. You and Finn, come on down. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. He's he's been to Italy, but I've I've never been, so mm. I want to. It's a beautiful yeah. place. Yeah.
1: Oh we can do a, a cultural exchange.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been hearing a bit about your, your culture from Robert <laughs> and his experience um, of crossing the street <laughs> and the cars. I will, uh, I will coach you.
1: It's it took okay. me the technique down. And I'm pretty good now, right? I mean, yes, it's perfect now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> this is still alive. It's a
0: good sign. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's keep it that way. <laughs> all, right. All, right. Um, all right. Well, Thank you so much for your time, Robert. And uh, I hope you both get to enjoy your evening together and just sending you a lot of love and, and your parents as well, Stefania, so. Yeah. Let me know if I can do anything to support you from afar.
1: Thank you, Sam. Well, ciao. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: see you, ciao. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening today. If any of you'd like to find out more about the work that I do, you can go to samsebastian.com. That's S-A-M-S-E-B-A-S-T-I-A-N.com. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to me via email. That's sam at samsebastian.com. Much love.